Welcome to The Big Deal with Glenn Ferris, episode 54. I've got Bobby Mullins on the show today. Bobby is the proprietor of Denton's own Armadillo Ale Works right here in downtown Denton off Bell Avenue in Sycamore. This was a great one to do just because I have known Bobby for so long. Me and him really go pretty far back as far as Denton time goes. We bonded over craft beer while he went to college and worked the counter over at Metzler's Barbecue, which just had a great beer selection at the time. Check out armadilloaleworks.com and don't forget to check out their event this Saturday at 7 p.m., the Last Ditch Drive-In Concert. Featuring the greatest band walking the face of the earth today, Raised Right Men. The governor has shut down their business, so they are using this event to keep their business alive. Load up the family in the station wagon and cruise down to Armadillo Ale Works. They will be broadcasting the show directly into your car radio. Support local is not just a slogan anymore. It's real. If you don't support these guys, they won't be around. So go support them. Because we want them around when this mess ends. While you're on the internet, check out GlennFerrisCommercial.com and at Glenn Ferris on the social media. This was a really fun conversation where we talk about their new hard seltzer, Rio Fresco, to, uh, and we talk about camping and backpacking, and we relive a really fun moment I had just really forgotten about that we shared in Marathon, Texas. Uh, this year, earlier this year, out there at the Big Bender. Thank you for listening, liking, and subscribing. Tell your friends. Now give it up for Bubby. Well, here we are. We're recording. Okay, we're, cool, we're, cool. we're live, but we're not live. <laughs> uh, so, Bobby Mullins. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on with you? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a there's a little virus going around, and oh, um, well, we're just yeah. trying. I don't know if you've heard about it. What's that? It's What's called it called? COVID nineteen. What a mess! Yeah, what a freaking hot mess! <laughs> really I can't is. believe it. So okay, but l- let's get to the let's get to the fun part first. What did you bring for us? Uh, so I brought um, our seltzers, okay. uh, Rio Fresco hard seltzer. I don't know if you've had these yet. Uh, it's one of each of the four flavors. Oh, oh my goodness! We're currently sold out. Um, but we'll have more in a couple weeks. I believe like the second week of August, we should have more packaged Holy up. moly. So, okay. I saw these come through and I was like, are these, is this like a LaCroix? It is like an alcoholic LaCroix. Okay. Do you do an, do you do like a non-alcoholic version? We don't. Like a, we don't. Because water is like good. Yes. It's like oh, a yeah. tasty. Water, water is good. Um, I drink a lot of seltzer water. Oh man, these look good. Which one should I try first? Um, it's good. I think the agave lime is agave a pretty lime. good oh, solid one. Um, but nice blood right orange now. hibiscus is my favorite. I'm going to go agave lime right now and try it out. Um, they've been super popular. I also just brought some idiots Hill oh, amber man. ale. Um, cause right now we don't have anything out new with beer just yet. We've got some stuff coming down the pipeline, but man, this is a good lick looking can. Yeah, they did a really good job. So that's what I've always loved about you guys is everything you do looks like Armadillo Ale Works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it looks like your thing. I mean, and man, these look so cool. So our designer, who, Colin, awesome. Colin Lewis, um, is a friend of mine. He lives up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. He's from the DFW area. Um, he's done all of our design from day one with Armadillo. And then 
his him and his wife d um they worked on the rio fresco cans together and, and came up with awesome. this so what was the idea from these like what what made you go after a uh what rio fresco what? we with with the heart i mean i think there's no i don't think anybody would be surprised to see that the white claws and trulies of the world are just That's dominating okay. yeah um so what is it though like, like how do we make it Mm-mm. oh that is refreshing like what is it's a seltzer yeah what's a seltzer Describe. so i mean a seltzer is carbonated water mm-hmm. um you know mineral water or whatever and then with Lacroix um and companies like Lacroix they were they started getting really big with like the flavored carbonated waters um and then companies like White Claw and Truly started making alcoholic versions of those um which there's a bunch of different ways you can make it you can make it from as a beer you can make it as a wine you can make it as a distilled spirit um, mm-hmm. mixer thing um with our license we have we make beer so uh-huh. this is a beer um base that is very refreshing because i was expecting you know how things like this that have these type of flavor profiles are sugary mm. and kind of sticky yeah. in your mouth this is like a i mean if you told me this was a lacroix i'd believe you awesome you know? awesome no it's a very refreshing having the agave lime Rio Fresco. This looks really cool, man. Thank you. So when did these come out? Uh, man, when was it? It was, uh, I think we launched them on the 19th of June, mm-hmm. and we were sold out in a week and a half. Holy moly. Um, and I think there's still a few places around town that have it, but for the most part, all of our retailers were sold out as well. So where can you find it? Um, right now, I know it's at Red's Yard. I think John Williams has it at Eastside. Okay. Um but those Man. are the only places that I'm aware of that still have it. Man, that is really good. And this is not the Thank type you. of thing I'd be into, but this is good. Thank you. Rio Fresco. Man, that is fantastic. Okay, let's talk about the flavors for a second. Yeah, yeah. I got the agave lime, and then we've got watermelon limon. Looks good. Blood orange hibiscus. I feel like my wife would like that. Pineapple mango. I, sh- I can't believe I didn't see that. I, I would have grabbed that. I'm a mango freak. It's good. I will eat a mango all day, every day. And a pineapple, actually. Like no, <laughs> Same. no Same. pineapples or mangoes are safe around me. Well, it depends if it's a good mango. You know, it's good hard mango, to find good ones. It is hard. Uh, my wife just got some and, and with pineapples. Uh, yeah, when they're good, they're good, though. It's like one of the best. But, man, that's great. So what do you use to flavor the 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 flavors like how does that work how does he how do you make a beer out of out so of, with this we, flavor we basically just take um sugar from corn uh powdered dextrose mm-hmm. and we mix that with water and then we ferment it that's um, it well we also add agave um so all okay. of all of them are made with agave oh, so okay. it's a mix of it the base is made from uh dextrose and mm-hmm. agave and we ferment that down um so all the sugar's eaten by the yeast, and that turns it into alcohol. And then we're left with a sludgy brown mess that we, um, through a proprietary process, filter the crap out of. Yeah. Um, and then we use that crisp, that clear base, and we add flavoring. And we work with the flavor company that helps us 
kind of figure out what we're going to do. And we buy those flavors from them and then dose them in. So back in the day, one of my earliest memories of Armadillo, I think I was at a house party and I think you were serving. It wasn't alcoholic. It was, it was like a soda. Oh yeah. Yeah. The sodas. Mm-hmm. We did. We did a lot of those in the early days and we just brought them back in package for the first time oh, since cool. those early days. Um, what flavors were those? We have Bee's Knees, which is a bees lem- knees, lemonade a, soda yeah. pop. It's like a lemonade soda made with honey. And then we have uh, Clawfoot, which is our ginger beer. And mm-hmm. then Swiggy Fizz is the root beer. That's awesome. So it's all bottled up and you can buy them at yeah. Armadillo. It yeah. works right now. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And a lot of places around town are carrying them, too. Um, yeah. It's been... So like Midway Mart. Kroger. Yes. Yeah. Kroger doesn't have the sodas or Rio Fresco yet, but we're working on it. Okay. Awesome. Man, so let's we touched on it for a second, but we've got to talk a lot about it because it's a hot mess right now. Oh yeah. Um it seemed like we shut down once and we were gonna be in the clear and people got their PPP loan and everyone was on their way, but I just I just saw your video the other day mm. and I mean, you guys were kind of left holding the bag on this thing Yeah. as far as you've got a, yeah. And, and also what's weird is why are, why are bars singled out as being shut down? I have no idea. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I have theories, but I have nothing to base those theories on. Um, so what's the current kind of get, get, get me up to date on what your current situation is right now today. Cause I know like today, was a new round of yeah. furloughs and you know so to- effective today we furloughed um the majority of our front of house staff um and we cut our hours back from we were running seven days a week 8, 8 a.m to 8 p.m um we're now only doing wednesday through saturday 9 a.m to 8 p.m and we may cut that back depending on how business is. Um, why is that though? Why the business just hasn't been there? Why it's did been, it tank? Like, why did we open up and then it tanked? I have no idea. That's really because the first shutdown we took a hit. Um, I think everybody took a hit. Oh yeah, I mean downtown was a ghost town. Yeah, in a week it was like, where did everyone go? But we had so much support from the local community um, coming out and buying beer to go. Yeah, that while it wasn't like. Pre-COVID numbers, it was still okay. We were scraping by. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of got it, – it started to dip, and then we reopened. And it, you'd think, like, oh, we reopened, numbers will start going up. It just kept getting worse and worse, even with being open. Really? We, the sales just kept going down and down and down. And then when the second sh- – the shutdown hit, it – that that was a blow because we had no idea. It, it blindsided us. They gave us less than three hours notice. Yeah. To shut down, they're like, you need to shut down by noon. Um, I was like, okay, well, let's scramble and try and figure out how we're gonna maintain business. Um, yeah. Having to shut down all over again, and it just the second shut down. I think part of it is because there's everyone else is still open in some capacity, but bars were I can't say single like picked out like the only people picked out because uh, I believe tubing and um, like the water recreational sport companies were shut down as well. Yeah. But you can live without tubing. You can't live without a beer. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I, I believe that, but not everyone else does. Um, 
And yeah, it, alcohol may not be essential, but it's essential to the people who work for me. It's essential to me because that's how I make a living. Yeah. Um, so it may not be an essential product, but it's essential to some people. Man. <clears throat> but I think I think because we're the only ones shut down, I don't know. And, you know, it's a small population of people that frequent bars. Yeah. Um, is it though? In Denton, uh, in Denton, it, in Denton, it's, like it's it's a large population, but in the twenty percent of Denton goes to a bar. <laughs> I I would I wish that was the case. <laughs> um, I think I think most people just think everything's not a hundred percent back to normal, but it's yeah. normal. But when you opened back up, weren't you at like fifty percent? We were at fifty percent. Okay. Um, we started off with um, just the patio. And we did that. Um, we lost like half the seating, um, separating out the tables for six feet, six feet distance between everybody. Um, and then after we were allowed to reopen, we didn't re- we didn't reopen right away because I honestly thought it was too early. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, it obviously was. Yes. We're here. We are now. So, um, yeah. So we slowly opened up the interior, mm-hmm. um, and it was just about the time. I think we maybe had like a week or two of. A business where we had fully opened everything before they shut it down again. Yeah, man. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's bars. I don't know why it's it's the why they're targeting companies that sell alcohol. Yeah. Um, because we may be part of the problem, but we're not the only reason. Yeah, and I'm trying to like think of another period of time where the government has come in <laughs> yeah. and said you can't make money you can't do your job yeah and that's it that's it just sit there and don't do anything yeah that's it's crazy i didn't think i I thought of all states in the union texas wouldn't do that yeah but apparently we did so man that is wild but you you do have sales in like kroger that's still that's got to help a little bit we still are doing distribution um And that is helping, but that has dropped drastically. We, since we're still a small company, we don't, we're not in a lot of the, we're yeah. in the Kroger's in Denton, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah. We're not really in a lot of chain, we call them chain accounts. Yeah. Um, the big chain stores. Those are really hard to get into. Um, we're in some Total Wines. We're in a, Kro- a few Kroger's, but we're not in every Kroger. We're not in Walmart. Like, so we're relying, mo- the majority of our business relies on mom and pop independent beer shops mm-hmm. and a lot of those are getting shut down because yeah. of this do you have like a didn't you, are you doing like a drive-in movie type thing i saw a map that you yeah drew. we're doing we're we just announced it today on saturday of this week we're going to do a drive-in concert with raise right men oh heck yeah so these guys are great yeah they are one of the best oh yeah yeah so we've got a i bought an fm fm transmitter we're gonna oh you figured blast it, out. it out to people's cars like a drive-in movie yeah which one did you get i've, I've already I looked into I that i couldn't <laughs> tell you I did, it, was the, it was the one that was the highest rated on amazon i'm surprised you did you get it in yet yeah, yeah. oh man because when i was looking for one it was like it'll be like eight weeks <laughs> oh, everyone no. everyone was ordering them i think at that time because it was like shut down number one yeah yeah you know? man that's awesome so that's, I'm excited. That's really I think cool. it'll be fun to do. And Boca 31's uh, going to be making a bunch of food for it. So that's awesome. So it's Saturday at what time? Um, it'll be doors at seven. Doors. Yeah. The parking lot will open at seven. Drive up and, and uh, eight p.m. is when the show starts. 
That's right. That's awesome. 8 p.m. Armadillo Oil Works parking lot drive-in show. Yes. yes. That's cool, man. That's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, so, I'm, I'm hoping it'll do well. So you were telling me I was uh, messaging you uh, just a second ago. Hey, I'm, I'm like I'm trying to buy some stuff. Delivery. I thought there were no rules anymore. I thought... <laughs> I thought we were like delivering beer, delivering cocktails. You can if you are not a brewery. Oh, you brew it. That's yeah. the thing. That's oh, a problem. Man. We're a manufacturer, so we have to go through the three-tier oh, system in yeah. the state of okay. Texas. So yeah. Manufacturer has to sell to a distributor or wholesaler. Then that uh, tier has to sell to the retail tier, yeah. which then sells to the end consumer. Yeah. And you can't cross tiers. There is some gray area because we obviously we have a tap room. Yeah. Um, or we can self-distribute. So there is some gray area. But we can't we can't deliver beer. You can get a gallon of margaritas delivered to your door, <laughs> but you can't get a beer. It sounds like a, a good business idea for like a third party to be like, would, could someone do that? Be like, hey, I'm the delivery guy for Armadillo. No. What? No. Come on. Yeah, because we can't, we can, we can only sell, technically we can only sell. But he's one, the middleman. He shows up and says, yeah, I'll he would, take four He would have to get a license. There is a X. license for that, but he would have to get that and pay those annual fees. Just fly under the radar. I mean, if they're telling people they, he could, you could, yeah. you could fly under the radar. Yeah. I'm there's a there's some ideas that have been tossing around that uh, <laughs> if you're not trying to cheat, you're not trying to win, folks. Come on, TABC is complicated. It is, and they are cracking down. They think that's one of the reasons the bars got shut down. Um, really, they're the dr- going around cracking down. Well, right during now. the first during the first shutdown, were we people saw- open? Were people like? open for business there were some there were some bars that were like no we're going to be open but then when they started uh letting people open at like 50 percent capacity there were bars that abused that that went well over 50 percent yeah gotta make up but tabc was going around and saying you need to shut down or we'll we'll pull your license um which to me is crazy what what authority does the tabc have during a pandemic with like you're you're not adhering to the social distancing rules. <laughs> that person is four point five feet. Their apart. job is to regulate the sale of alcohol, and I don't see how they they get to, yeah. they, they get to regulate social distancing. But that's, that's a, probably a time for a, a, another conversation for another time. Um, I mean, that's a little. I mean, they're overstepping their authority. In well, their, we saw we saw in Dallas during the first shutdown. Um, I don't remember her name or the name of the salon, but the salon owner, she everyone was talking about her. She broke the rules and then got rewarded for it. And politicians came to get their hair cut from her because they just loved that she stood up, stuck stood it, for her rights. Stuck it to the man. But if we yeah. do that, there's a regulatory system in place <laughs> to come yeah. crack the whip on us. You know, there's no TABC for hair salons. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So um, we're kind of we're kind of stuck if we if we try to push push the limits, they're going to come shut us down and pu- and potentially pull our license, which then I won't be able to make a drop of alcohol. Mm. Yeah. It's too risky, you know? So how did you get into it? Why did you want to take all this on to, to begin with? <laughs> well, when I got into, when I got into, uh, <laughs> well, let me, let me roll it back. Cause now I'm remembering we met, I think we met not at a house, maybe at a house party, but we kind of got to know each other. You're working at Metzler's. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, like this was maybe I'm gonna try to put a date on it 2005, 
2000. It would have been. Yeah, no, that's that's about right. I think it was 2005, 2006, maybe yeah. a little bit of 06. Yeah, because I worked at Metzler's from 2002 to 2007, all throughout college. Yeah, okay. So you were in, that's right. Okay, you were in college. Yeah. And then Armadillo Aleworks was like, uh, was it a class project or was it a... It wasn't a thing that I even had dreamt of at that time. It but there was a competition until, you won or something. That, that happened um, after, so I graduated from UNT and went to work for St. Arnold in Houston. That's right. Um, fell in love with the industry and then moved back. And my, my former business partner, Yanni, he was still in the master's program at UNT. So we were eligible for a contest called the New Venture Creation Contest Yeah, through the College of Business, and we won third place. Whose idea was that? Um, it was actually his idea. Um, uh-huh. We I hit him up because I knew a lot about making beer but nothing about running a business and hit him up. And he's like, well, actually, there's like this business plan contest. Let's let's build our business plan and submit it, and then see what see what happens. So how did you get into beer, though? Were you making it in your? I started making it in college yeah. when I, when I was working at Metzler's. <laughs> yeah, um, my my little brother got me a home. It's a good beer kit. shop back in the day. That was oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. great beer shop before Midway Mart and yeah. everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, you, I just fell in love with it and just started doing it as a hobby and all my beer was terrible, but <laughs> we were in college and everybody yeah. likes to drink beer. So it, it all got matter. drunk somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Metzler's that was, so I'm trying to put it together. So what happened was I spent about six months in New York, uh, between Oh five, Oh six. And I got an education up there. A couple of guys in bands up there couch surfed for six months. It was awesome. One of the best things I've ever nice. done. But I got such a beer education up there. You couldn't find most of the stuff I was drinking up there down here. And I remember when I came back, I was like trying to find where do I get the good stuff. And it was pretty much Metzler's. And Midway Mart had a couple. Like here and there, they had like one cooler of like Belgium style or Belgium uh, beers, the you know, the leaders, um, or what is that? The bombers. Is that a leader? The green, uh, the green ones. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think what, so. Whatever those things were. And then I remember Luz had a couple of like La Fin du Monde yeah, was yeah. on tap over there. And I remember way back in the day, Haley's had a couple of beers on yeah. tap. Oh, that was too. so great. They had a big tap wall, Yeah, but I was not into beer at that time. They had like Chimay, which was like fancy beer. I was like, okay. Yeah. But it was it wasn't until I hung out with those guys in New York and they man, they took me around. There was a shop in Park Slope called Beercraft. Did you ever hear that? No, no. And it all it was was craft beer, like a wall as long as this hallway of coolers full of things you've never heard of before. And then when you got to the end of it, there was a big thing of cheese, and then around the corner was uh chocolates. I mean, this it, place sounds like heaven. Heaven <laughs> on earth. And they made sandwiches so you could like get your little sandwich, get your little beer, and then go to Prospect Park like two blocks away nice. and just enjoy life. Yeah. That sounds great. It was amazing. Uh, but that is where I drank the beer that just really blew my brains out. I couldn't believe what I was drinking. And really, the beer that I really fell in love with at that time was Saison Dupont. It, it, kind of a classical saison oh, saisons yeah. were really big at that time they just kind of discover rediscovered them i think and man that beer with like a really good 
smoked aged gouda is like <laughs> that's it man yeah like that's heaven on earth right there yeah that beer is great it still it's like one it's of my still top around beers. isn't it yeah yeah it's a good one and the one that was really good there was a version of it that was organic I don't know if you've ever seen that. It had no, a little bit of a different label on it, like a hand-drawn label. Oh, and then the other one, uh, I don't even know if these are around anymore, Phantom. Yeah. Have you yeah, heard of Phantoms? Yeah. Like, I haven't seen that in a while, but yeah. Those, we those went, great stuff. We went through every every release that got to New York like that year. Man, we went to town on that. <laughs> and it was so weird. It was like chocolate and uh, coffee and pumpkin and like, Every single box of whatever, like beer craft would get like three cases of it. And like we had dibs on like half of it. Nice. And man, Phantom. So good. And a buddy of mine, J.R. Thomason. <laughs> so, do you know J.R.? No, no. Okay. So he was in the Silver Arrows and he was, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound bigger than he was, but he was a male model. Okay. And he modeled for the Louis Vuitton show one year. And got flown over there, and his uh, he had like a couple of days that he got to take the train into Belgium and actually met the Phantom guy. Oh, nice. And hung out with him for a day and drank beer with him. Came back with a suitcase full of like stuff from, he said it was just one little guy in this little Belgium village right on the other side of the French border and... Uh, came back with this crazy that's so story. Awesome. Yeah, it's insane. So that's what I that's what I was coming from. And I got I get back to Denton, get sucked back into the black hole, and it was pretty much hanging out at Metzler's in that little side room mm-hmm. and just like drinking like all afternoon. And oh man, it was so good. It was awesome. So you went and like brewed at like a big industrial uh, brewery like St. Arnold's down in so Houston. yes. What in was a, that like? in a way? The, so their original setup that I that I started at is a, is very similar to what we have here in Denton. Okay, um, they had a whole lot more fermentation space. So they had a lot more tanks, but the size of their brew house is roughly the same size. Um, How did you get in with them? You just I made the connection. I emailed all the breweries in Texas at that time. Um, all I three of them. at that time. Yeah. There was RAR, RAR and Sons of Fort Worth. That's right. RAR. Um, there was St. Arnold in Houston. Shinerbach. I think I hit up RAR. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hit up uh, real ale in Austin. Oh yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And devil's backbone. Uh, yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. So St. Arnold was the only one to reply. Okay. And they said, we're not hiring. But then a few weeks later, their media guy, Lenny Ambrose, um, sent me another email said, we're still not hiring, but I saw that you are a radio, television, and film guy. We're, we need to film a video. Could you come down? We can't pay you, but we'll give you beer. And huh. I was like, yes. That's yes. a deal. <laughs> and so I, while I was down there shooting, a position had opened up on their kegging line, and um, they hired me on. I applied and hired, got hired on to start washing kegs, and that's where I started. Um, so what's that like? It's like working in a really hot car wash. Um but that's if if you're watching like you cars wash that are keg, covered though? in cigarette butts, old pickles, <laughs> and the 
lots of broken glass. So you got all you could eat off the cash, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, because like, I mean, if you've ever if you've ever worked in the service industry, you know the like the That's kegs disgusting. They yeah, just yeah, get yeah. tossed in the back out like yeah. near the dirty rags or literally out in the back alley, just somewhere out of the way, and they're forgotten about. Um, so you have to get those kegs, and we clean the inside and the outside because we yeah. refill them with fresh beer. How do you feel on the inside? It's pretty much, at least the systems that I have used, it's like the way you dispense it, but in reverse. Oh, okay. You, you fill same, it up. You use then, the same coupler mm-hmm. um, setup. It just goes the opposite sense. direction. Because it's all sealed. Like yeah. there's some sort of like valve or something on yeah. the keg. I don't know how this stuff works. That's hilarious. So you got a job scraping like rat poop off yeah. kegs. Yep. Started at the bottom. Yep. So and I still do you, that to this so, day. <laughs> so how long did you uh, do that before they let you? I was. Did they let you handle anything? I want to say I was there for about six months before they moved me into the cellar, which that meant I got to like start <laughs> documenting the beer oh, okay. during fermentation. Um, taking. Uh, I'm going to grab it. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Taking gravities um, and basically monitoring the fermentation process. And then I, from there, I learned how to filter. And then they started training me on the brew house. Um, so I learned how to start brewing beer commercially. And I had home brewed. Um, so I knew like the basics of it. But the whole point of commercial brewing is to brew a consistent product over and over and over again. So that's something that they taught me how to do. Um, so you learned a lot. I mean, you learned how to manufacture beer just yes. by watching it. Yeah. And, it, and they were. You know, still a small operation then, but they were they were statewide um, doing a doing a lot of beer. I mean, we were we were pumping it out. Yeah, I mean, you you could find it anywhere. Lawnmower, I think, right? Yeah, lawnmower. It was like lawnmower and amber ale. That was I oh, like that's, yeah, that we amber just brewed ale. that over and over and over. I mean, there there was a time in my life where I could brew lawnmower in my sleep. That's awesome. I couldn't tell you what's in it now, yeah. but but you could find lawnmower just about everywhere. Yeah, I remember uh, being in Colorado or something and seeing lawnmower on tap. You know, up there even. Yeah, it's like this. Okay. And lawnmower is good though. I mean, yeah. it's it's a real good hot weather. Oh yeah, uh, I really enjoy it. It's a it, it's a pilsner. It is a Kolsch. That's a difference. Um, so it's a it's a I'm gonna butcher this, but it's a German style beer from the Cologne region. So Cologne Kolsch. Um, oh okay. And it has to do with the type of yeast that originated from that area, um, and that that yeast so. Let me put on my nerd glasses for a second. Yeah, um, totally. The basically beer can be divided into two main categories. You have your ales and your lagers. Ales ferment at warmer temperatures with they're called a top fermenting yeast. That yeast kind of likes to gravitate towards the top of the vessel that it's being fermented in. Yeah, um, and it ferments at warm temperatures. But it but it depends on the type of yeast, the yes. animal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where, and then you have lager yeasts, which ferment at cooler temperatures and kind of like to hang out at the bottom of the, the fermentation vessel. I did not know that. And um, due to the fact that ales are fermented at hotter temperatures, they usually ferment faster and kick off a whole lot more flavor. And the opposite happens with lagers, where lagers will take longer and um, produce a cleaner flavor profile where mm. you don't have a whole lot of like esters or phenols. Um, a Kolsch is 
and high like a kind of hybrid of the two um it's a it's an ale yeast that ferments at lager temperatures or a lager yeast that ferments at ale temperatures okay um so it kind of rides there in the middle um so you can kind of get those lager characteristics faster um and it i think it produces a flavor that's very distinctive of kolsch um, mm. A slight sulfur, grassy, um, but still like a clean, crisp, easy drinking beer. Yeah. But the yeast is the really important part here, right? Yes. The, yes. W- what that animal is. Yeah. What the DNA is of that. And it, it, yeast is single cell, right? Or uh, I believe so. Something. Yeah, that would be a question for, for my lab guy. Well, so so I, was a, I was a baker, so I kind of understand a little bit about feeding and proofing and all that stuff you know like we always said bread was like solid beer basically yeah i mean it's the same ingredients it's Mm -hmm. just and but we you know our yeast came in the like the cake like benny keith provided like the big one pound blocks the cakey kind of feels like clay okay what what type of yeast are you using where, where do you get your yeast like if you do some sort of german uh type of beer or whatever like where do you get your yeast from like- so we get our yeast from uh various yeast labs so there are companies out there that um basically take care of yeast cultivate them and bank them so they'll find a specific strain and they're gonna isolate it put it in their bank and then they will take portions of that and then grow it up. Like yeah. when I say I need, I need a pitch of this type of yeast. A pitch. They'll they'll go grab some. They'll grow it up over the course of yeah. a few days or a few weeks. Feed it some sugar until it gets to a larger volume, and then they'll ship me that, and I can <laughs> pitch it into my beer. It's like a, I mean, it's like a yeast zoo. Yeah, yeah. Or a yeast farm. Yeah, That's and they do, they do. I mean, metaphor. they do some great work because there, there's so many things that could mess up a batch of yeast. I mean, if you've yeah. ever done like a sourdough starter or something like yeah, that, yeah. like, you know, you if your sourdough starts growing mold, like you've got to throw it out. doesn't yeah. matter if it's eight years old or. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we got used to, I mean, we, we knew how much yeast we were, we were going to go through, but at the, uh, you start bumping up against your delivery time. You've got a couple of like, eh, these are iffy. Yeah. And, but we knew how to adjust Either the temperature or the sugar, not really the sugar, mostly temperature and proof time is what we would do. Yeah. That's the best thing to adjust uh, to make that pop, to make the, the bread rise yeah. and, and not overproof. That's the bad thing. Um, that is fascinating. How many types of yeast are there? That I could not answer. There billions? Are, yeah, I would venture to say billions. They're, the ones that we know That's about wild. are just a small fraction what a cool little thing, though, that it, I mean, it, yeah, it's crazy. It eats, it breathes. Yeah. Shits. Yeah. It dies. <laughs> That's it. And wait, and it's excrement. It's yeah. waste. It is delicious alcohol. It's delicious, delicious <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> Cheers. I'm now drinking an amber ale, which is delicious. Thank you. What's, this is an ale. Yes. So, so what that, is, what's an ale? That. Um, is the ale is a warmer temperature, faster ferment. Okay. 
Um, we take our house ale yeast with that beer and we ferment it at colder temperatures um, to try and kind of treat it like a hybrid yeast because the recipe that we base it on is a German alt beer, um, which is traditionally a lager. An alt so, beer? Mm. Like ALT, alt yeah, beer. Yeah. Like alternative and, to beer. Like. Yes. Yeah, so in German, <laughs> I think alt means old. So mm. it would have been something that was aged that took a little bit longer to to produce. Man, this is good. It's malty. Definitely malty. That is delicious. So your first beer I remember you making. I remember having a, I think, I'm triggering my memory right now. There was a bar over here where Burgundy's used to be. What was oh, it yeah. called? That, Simone's. Yeah, yeah, we did our big fund Kickstarter fundraiser party there. Was there. A, yeah, so there was that, a... That happened almost a yeah. year. Like, I, I recently saw Facebook reminded me that it was like a, the anniversary of that. I forget that. What was that? Like eight or nine years ago? It was a long time ago. So I remember, I think what you served, I think that was... Uh, what is it? The the green one, right? We probably had some some rendition of Greenbelt and Quaker Town yeah. at that time. There were some other ones that we were still working out the kinks of. Like back then, we had. I think the one I had was Greenbelt because I had Quaker Town at the release at Oak Oak Street Draft House. Yeah, there was actually a picture of me in the paper drinking from one of your yes. glasses. <laughs> that is. That is a delicious beer. That's got to be one of my favorites. That is yeah. one of my favorites too. Tuesday Day Quicker Than Stout. So, where did the idea come from uh, for uh, Greenbelt? Because you know, like Lawnmower, I grew up in Houston. That beer makes a lot of sense that it was made in Houston. Like it's a literally. I remember growing up mowing the lawn and like you know I'm like ten. I drank a Sprite. But it was like the best Sprite I've yeah, ever had. Yeah. But now I can imagine, oh, yeah, that'd be great to have a beer after mowing the lawn. And that is, that's the epitome of what lawnmower was. Good hot weather. You're out there sweating yeah. in the yard. What was kind of the inspiration for your early beers, like Greenbelt? So Greenbelt was a, an accident. We, I was working on a Hefeweizen recipe and brewing that over and over again. Um, Hefeweizen is uh, usually a very wheat-heavy beer. With uh, the yeast, the Hefeweizen yeast kick off a lot of flavors of like clove and banana. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I was working yeah, on Blue that. Blue Moon is kind yeah. of, yeah, it's kind of the. So that was back when I was still brewing on the back porch of my parents' house. And I brewed 10 gallons of the beer. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I only had, when I, I got halfway through the brew day and realized I only had um, one vial of Hefeweizen yeast, but I had some other vials of other yeast is that how they sell tea and like a when the, like a test tube yeah for the home brewer stuff white labs is a com- the company at that time they sold them to you in like these little plastic test tubes they now sell them in these little pouches what does it look like is it like milky or is it it's uh, crusty or it's a liquid dry okay liquid. white white labs produces liquid <clears throat> yeast so it's like it, it just looks like a milky liquid like sort of tannish color yeah um, the color of you know your dried yeast, but just in a slurry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so only had one of those. So I divided the batch into my two five-gallon carboys, pitched one with the Hefeweizen yeast, and then grabbed. I was like, well, I have the Saison yeast. Let's try it out and dump that in there. And 
then we did side-by-side tastings. We're like, this Saison yeast, that's something special. Oh, so you brewed it like a hef. Yeah. But you threw Saison yeast in there. Yeah. So it's sort of, we on the label, we call it, it's a Belgo, like a, a Belgian-American-German hybrid mm-hmm. because we use German, uh, the Hefeweizen base with the um, French-Belgian yeast and we... But we spice it like a Belgian wit with the coriander and citrus peel. Mm-hmm. And then we use American hops. Um, we highly hop it with Cascade hops, which if you've ever had um, Sierra Nevada's pale ale, mm-hmm. like that's like quintessential Cascade yeah. hop flavor. Classic, classic. Um, man, that's, a, that's crazy. So how hard was it to develop like your taste of w- what is good? And what is what is bad? And just kept doing it over and over. I mean, we just. Brewed. Do you think that's like a universal thing? I think. I, I mean, most of the guys that I know, yes, it is basically just trial and error. You just do it over and over again. There's a lot of guys who went to school for it, um, but even that, like, you have to kind of do it over and over again before you realize like how things work. Yeah, um, that's something that I love about this business is. Every day I'm learning something new. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know that people try to say, are you the brewmaster? I have not mastered anything. Like this, every day that I walk in the doors, I'm going to learn so many new things. Um, I don't know. I feel like I could do this for 50 years and would not consider myself a master of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, as far as like developing, not not the ability to to make the beer, because a lot of that, in my mind goes back to developing a process. It can be repeated that gets you a result that is predictable. I'm talking about like Greenbelt has a real distinct that it's good. It's good on the palate for an, in an interesting way. Like if you really sit there and think about it, it's, it's a fun beer to drink because it's interesting, right? have you developed that or have you thought about like how you take, like, is there a, what do they call it for wine tasting? So, uh, 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 sommelier. Sommelier. Mm-hmm. Is there like a sommelier class? Yeah, for, there is. Uh, it's beer? called Cicerone. Okay. Um, have you done that? Have you I have it? not. I've done the, I've done the beer server certification. There's different levels of it. Okay. Um, so you're like, yeah, I'm like baseline. Yeah. Um, I would love to sit down and do the Cicerone, but it's a lot of like the people who can do that. Um, like Justin, who owns Ten One, is yeah, a that guy, certified yeah. Cicerone. So he was a bartender at Haley's back in the day, yeah. and and it, we cut our teeth on beer kind of at the same time. And it's awesome to see him with a, a incredible cheese shop. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Five Ten One Ten One. That's right, Ten One. It's incredible. He's yep. got a great. I didn't know he was such yeah, a. Yeah, he's he was one of the early um, cicerones in the state of Texas. Cicerone. Yeah, I've never heard of that so, before. I mean, he can. He could probably tell you more about the testing process, but I, from what I've heard, there's a lot of written portions and there's okay. a lot of sensory um, evaluations yeah. where they like hand you, they'll hand you a unmarked glass of beer and say. Tell me what that is. Tell me the name of the person who can this. Yeah. <laughs> and there are people who can like taste it and be like, okay, I taste this type of hop. They're using roughly 25% of this grain. 
and coming from this region, like there are people who can taste that. I can't taste that. That's bonkers. Um, but does that really like, who does that help? <laughs> like the guy drinking it? Like, oh, this it, is a lot of fun. I think, I think it helps a lot of people for the same reason that sommeliers help people. It helps. They're able to help sell the, the beer to the end consumer. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's not a glass of wine. You know, like it's different. <laughs> it's like, we're just drinking beer, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's one thing I, I do love about beer is you can, you can either it's casual, you, know? you can sit back yeah. and have a casual, just pound, pound a bunch of Lone Stars or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or you can sit back if you're and in college, get that guess, bottle yeah. of Saison DuPont yeah. and sip on it for a I'm couple hours about. and just like contemplate all the nuances of, of that yeah. beverage. Yeah. And beer's awesome. Okay, so uh, you you won some awards with with that one, right? With Greenbelt or we 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 recently won our first award for Greenbelt. Okay, um, we won a silver. But I remember you you kind of came out of the gate and and got and showed up at, at some beer fest and My, basically like. Yeah, I mean, you just walked away with a couple of medals as a total newcomer, right? It was my first uh, Great American Beer Festival competition. Yeah. Um, we won gold for the Imperial Stout category with Quakertown. Yeah, Quakertown. Um, it was my birthday that day, and I was not expecting to win anything. I just wanted a professional evaluation of my beers. Yeah, tell and me what you think, to, guys. Yeah, to have that announced was wonderful. So how do you win something like that? Like... How, how does that work? How I, do you enter? How do you get judged? We pay a ridiculous amount of money to have them just to be judge honest. our beer. Yeah, we mail it in. They judge it. Um, I don't know how they judge it, um, but I, I, I know it goes through rounds where they just kind of narrow it down, and then once they pick the winners, they pass it along, and then there's a big award ceremony that coincides with the Great American Beer Fest every year. So weren't you, you you were watching it online? We were there. Or? We were in Denver. Okay, you were we there. Had, that was our first year at GBF. We had our booth um, where it's like it's like a huge trade show set up in the Denver Convention Center where thousands of breweries from all over the U.S., all of us have like a 8 by 8 booth with like our banner. You know, some people go all out with decorations, but we were just like this little no-name brewery with like a paper banner, and we are just like, Please try our beer. A couple of dudes. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's so. So we've just been we've just been working that, <laughs> um, and then we get you know they take you to, for the the morning award ceremony. It's always super. It's like eight a.m. and of course you go there and there's like everyone's pouring breakfast beers and you just get a little tipsy while you're watching the award ceremony. And now it's huge. I mean, um, that was back in 2014. We just went last year. And the award ceremony, I feel like, lasted like three hours. There yeah. so many breweries and so many new beer <laughs> categories. Um, it's insane. Did did getting that award help? Did it put you on the map? No. No? no. What are you talking I wish, about? I wish really? I could say that it did, but it didn't. But you get to hang the little yeah. metal around oh, your Oh, yeah. The metal, felt great. the metal <laughs> felt great around my neck. And... Um, I got to shake. I got to bump fists with Charlie Papazian, who who's that? He's the uh, arguably the the founder of uh, American craft beer. 
Really? Um, he started the American Homebrewers Association, uh, okay. which eventually yeah. became uh, branched off into the Brewers Association. He wrote a bunch of homebrewing books. The book that I learned how to homebrew off of, he wrote. Gotcha. Um, so he was always there to present the awards. So do you think that's where all this came from? Because, like, in my head, kind of pre-2005, you had New York, and then you had Denton. How did the craft brew thing happen? Like, how did it become not just Bud Light, Coors Light, Budweiser? I think it was a slow process. Um, you know, there were there were little bubbles like New York and... Um, Sierra Nevada. I, yeah, Sierra yeah, Nevada. They, all I mean, pretty much all of California. Fat tire. Or like light years ahead of us with uh, craft beer. Colorado, the Denver area, um, with like New Belgium and um, Great Divide. There were a lot of breweries that popped up in those areas. And then it slowly started branching out. And I think the homebrew culture cultivated that because homebrewers like myself realized, like, I really like doing this. And I think I could make money off of it. Like yeah. I could do this for a living. And so just trying that. And I mean, when I started, there was, I was definitely part of like the second or third wave of the, the craft beer movement. Um, you know, I was still a kid when the first wave uh, hit. Um, what, was, so what would you call first wave? Like first wave would have been like late eighties, early nineties. Um, that's when like, St. Arnold came to be. That's when uh, Sierra Nevada was getting, like, really getting their stuff going. Stone, um, New Belgium. Yeah, like, Stone. the ones that we think of, like, as being, like, these huge the craft breweries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the ones that started the first wave. That's Stone IPA. And Stone was, like, Portland or? Stone is West San Diego. Coast. San Diego? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's first wave. Yeah. And okay. then oh, there were a lot of breweries. There were breweries in... Uh, Dallas, uh, Copper Tank. I don't know if you remember that. I, I never drank there because I was too young. But you were like five. Um, it was like a venue restaurant brew pub in Deep Ellum. Um, Humperdinks, which the last one just <laughs> closed right. their doors. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of a lot. Of, there was a lot of breweries. It was just boom, and then a flying so, saucer. Yeah, yeah flying yeah. saucer kind of took it's off huge. that time. Yeah, and then the bubble burst, and all of them closed. And so what happened? What? I have no idea. No idea. Weird. I think I really, I have no idea. I've, I've tried to figure that out. What caused <laughs> yeah. that first? Cause we're trying to avoid that now. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think there was a mass. It was just like, I don't know. I could speculate all day. I don't really know. No, speculate. Go ahead. I mean, well, I have yeah, like, yeah. I have no idea. I, yeah. I think, I think it could have been maybe the, maybe the beers were getting too expensive. Um, oh yeah, because like a Chimay was like it was expensive at Haley's, it was like yeah, eight dollar beer, yeah, or something. Um, and they poured it weird too. Like the first couple of weeks, they were pouring them in pine glasses, and I was like, I don't know much, but I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're over pouring. <laughs> yeah, you're over pouring, and that like man, it, you're killing. I it. like to, you know, we were talking earlier about how it's nice to just be able to kick back and pound some beers, but. Then there's the nerdy side of me, which like you gotta use the right, you gotta use the right uh, glassware. Sometimes to, you to, do. Sometimes you do. Yeah. The first thing, the thing that turned me on to beer was, well, I mean, I worked at Metzler's, and 
I got to I got to be around all the different beers there and try them. And I remember taking a four pack of Le Fin du Monde yeah. from um, from Metzler's and bringing it over to my buddy's house and we're like, let's drink this tonight. And we we cracked open the bottles, you know, peeled back the foil <laughs> good, and, good, and good. just like <laughs> chug a chug and we're like, oh, Ugh. this is awful. Yeah. Why would well and I saw on the Canadians label that, are it's, weird. that it said like, you know, pour into like it had the recommended glassware on the label with like proper uh serving temp. And I was like, well, I mean, let's just try and let's follow the directions. So we found some like glassware in his mom's cabinet that like looks it's like a wine like a champagne flute or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we poured it in there and it was like night and day, the difference of just drinking out of the bottle and drinking out of the glass. And that's when like that was the light bulb moment for me. I was like, there's something here. How could this really difference? There's something really interesting going on here and I want to figure it out. Le Fin du Monde, the end of the world. Yeah. It's apropos I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> While I'm translating, it's <laughs> apropos. That man, that's that's funny. Le Fin du Monde did that to you. And yeah, that's crazy about glasses. Like the what and what is that about that? Like the it's shape just, of the glass? It's the or? shape of the glass and how it directs the the aromatics to your nose and how the shape of the glass forces the liquid to hit certain parts of your palate. Yeah. Um Yeah, because there's like a uh you put cabs into a certain glass you put like pinot noirs in a, into a different type of glass uh with wines it's kind of the same thing yeah you know? and temperature temperature plays a big part temperature the, the warmer the beer yeah. is the more you're going to be able to taste yeah. that's kind of why you want your bud miller coors super ice cold because if Cause it it's not like tastes like yeah. it tastes like this tastes like crap yeah man this this amber ale as it warms up is amazing thank you and I'm not an amber ale person, but this is incredible. This is one of the best beers I've had. Thank you. I've also not had a beer in a long time. So <laughs> I know you've been, are you still running a lot? And... Yeah, I am. Excellent. So, uh, I, I did a, well, crazy story. I'll make it short. I was going, I was in karate for a while. Okay. I was like, which is great. Cause like you want a good workout Go go punch a little seven year old in the face. <laughs> They'll make you feel amazing, and it's a good workout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, but really. So Doug Burr is like a triple black belt at this. What? Do, do, I had yeah. no idea. It's crazy. Yeah, guy is ripped. Have you seen him? <laughs> yeah, I've seen him. Dude is ripped. <laughs> He's not savage. <laughs> savage. So I was like, all right, Doug, I'll come work out with you, and I got hooked. And a lot of sparring, a lot of forms, ground fighting. I mean, it's like, it's the whole thing. And because it's like me and Doug, we, we'll go all out, which is, it's awesome. You want to bond with someone, like put the gloves yeah, on and start, yeah. start punching each other. It's awesome. So anyways, COVID happens and I'm like, we, we have a newborn and I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't go sweat into someone's mouth or, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's literally what grappling is you're sweating on each other and all that stuff so i trained for a 10k went great happened three or four weeks ago did my own little like you know 10k best effort and that went so well i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do a half marathon so i'm in the middle of the half marathon right now and i had my first like almost half marathon long run take it slow and easy 
on Saturday when it was 100 degrees out. Oh. It was painful. Uh, yeah. Flat out. First hour, I was like, this is going to suck, but I'm going to do it. The only water I had was like my one, like basically the size of a beer can worth of water ran out on the way back. It was painful. I bet. That's why I'm all freaking sunburned and dude, it was brutal. Yeah. So today's workout was done at 6 a.m. It was like 83 degrees. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, I haven't been, uh, you know, that's the thing with the shutdown I really only drink when I'm meeting with folks, when I'm being social, when I'm out doing stuff. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't really take beer home and drink at the house. I, like it's 100% out with people, yeah, enjoying yeah. people's company. Well, we haven't been doing that. So I've actually had to make it a point to go down to Bearded Monk, support them, uh, you know, go down to Denton County Brewing, support them, go down to you guys. Like it's been harder because it's just not in my, it's not on the way anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, like haven't been drinking as much. Um, when I do drink a beer, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Sweet nectar of the gods. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, man, this, this is, this Amber Ale is, incredible thank you so i think the last time that you and i had beers together was in the desert was at the shut the front door the big bender oh yeah Yeah. oh man you know i had a lot of beer that weekend (laughs) oh yeah we went to that brewery i forgot about the brick vaults imagine imagine us forgetting that so yeah that was fun because so what we're talking about is the uh, so there's the the big bender is basically a big party in Marathon, Texas. Look it up; it's far away. It's in the yeah. middle of nowhere, but it's really close to Big Ben. Uh, so I go out there, I'll do a Big Ben trip, and then I'll camp out and have fun with everybody from Denton and Marathon. Yeah, and I think me. So how did we hung out like pretty hard at that that brewery? Like somehow. Me, Seth, Jen, and somebody else ended up in his car. We were trying. We were trying to find some barbecue. I think is what, oh, okay, is okay. what we set out to do. And we ended up the, at the brewery, and they were out of barbecue. But they were like, "But well, we got some beers for you to try." And then you walked in, and it was like, "Oh, we got a couple of brewers here." And it was like, "Oh, yeah, here's here's all the stuff." And I'm like, "Just happy to be here." <laughs> that was so much fun. No, we it drank was great. a ton. Was that your first time out there? Yeah, yeah, dude, you gotta I, go over I here. Fell, I fell in love. Like that, that whole area is just—it's a magical place. So you haven't been out in that area before. I've been, I so I've never been out like in the Big Bend area. That was my first time. But um, once a year, I go up to Colorado um, with a friend, a group of friends, and my my girlfriend Sarah and I we try on the way back from that camping trip to go down through New Mexico, and so we like almost like touch that region on our yeah. way back but like that that portion of new mexico and like far yeah. west texas is it's isolated wonderful that's the but that's the best part about it is you can't you can't go through it on your way to somewhere you've got to 
like hang a left at Abilene yeah. and just keep going toward no man's land. And and, and th- there's a part of marathon uh, on my way out there. I, I did uh, the outer mountain loop and I stayed one night in this uh, weird Airbnb made out of paper. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on my way, I was like going to camp out in Marathon, but it was raining. And I was like, man, I don't want to start this trip like yeah, camping yeah. in the rain. So Alyssa booked me and we had some Airbnb credits. And so on the way out there, she was like, all right, it's a little weird, but. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this hut made out of paper mache. I'm not even kidding. And. I remember, like, I pulled in, and it was dark, and, the, like, this French couple owns this alternative dwelling Airbnb, and they have all these weird little huts and art installations. It's totally crazy. But it's at the edge of town in Marathon. Okay. And that night, I, I opened the door. I took, like, two steps out of the hut, and it's like you could see where humanity just gave up. Like right there, lying in the line in the dirt. That's where we stopped. That's it. That's it. it like all of civilization is yeah, behind yeah. you. This is where we gave up. That's what I love about that area is you want to feel alone and tiny in the world. Like just hike around that area. Oh yeah, and it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it so much. And Big Bend is kind of it's kind of a secret. Like it. It's weird. I've almost like you don't see big, amazing pictures of Big Bend. Like growing up, I was, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout. We, we camped all over Texas. We never went to Big Bend. Yeah. It was, it's we right there. It's crazy. But it is so amazing. And I mean, it's big. It is, it, I think it's the biggest uh, national park in uh, the country. You might be right. I don't it is know. huge. And, I mean, like the first time we went there, it, I mean, it really blew our minds. Just like the expanse, like on the map, it doesn't look like much. It just looks like a big piece of desert. Yeah. And there aren't big peaks. There aren't big like cliffs. It's not Yosemite. It's not arches, but there's something about it. It's so Texas. You get out there and man, that's it, amazing. Have you been into the park at all? No. Well, we we ventured briefly into the park because um, I think you, we had to go through a portion of the park. Um, we went down to Boquillas. Yeah, Boquillas. Yeah, yeah this one. Did you go? Uh, you took the little uh, uh, raft. <coughs> Excuse me. We took the little raft. We took the burrows into town. You went town. to, uh, what is it, Jose Facon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Burns took us yeah. there, and it was uh, awesome. Andy Odom's birthday. Yeah. So it was just the four of us. It was great. It was a wonderful day. Dude, that, man, you did it right. So uh, when I went down to Bokeas, so you pay five bucks, and yeah. you, you get the little ticket. That's your round trip yeah, ticket yeah. to to Mexico and back. Yeah, you get in the little raft, and you took the you got on the burrows. Yes, and rode the the burrows up to town. Yeah, that them. was that was interesting. Yeah, how'd that go? That was fine. It was fine. My mine was a little. I'll just say our guide was just hitting the donkey a bit much. <laughs> so I, I, either my donkey was. A, being a jerk or yeah or there's some massive animal abuse i don't know <laughs> well the worst part is if you get the old one that's like 
10 minutes behind well, I just felt bad. It's like, I'm a 215-pound dude. Like, yeah. this poor little donkey's having to carry my fat ass. Little ba- yeah, poor little Mexican donkey. <laughs> Got stuck on the wrong side of the river. Jeez. <laughs> but, yeah, man, what a, what a great place. When we went over there, or a little, or, uh, because you kind of get, they tell you at the station, like, all right, this is the deal. Go over there hang out, come back, yeah. you know, but it's almost like you kind of get assigned like a person to, to like lead yeah. you around. Yeah. Right. And they're part of the park service, the Mexican park service. So when me and chip Sargent went over there, this is a couple, uh, couple of years ago, he took me over there. I'd never been, but we made the trip. So I kept talking with our guide and he, he knew quite a bit of English. And you know, when you get on that side of the border, my big question was like, how does all this work? Like, I know how the like didn't infrastructure works. Yeah. How are you guys here doing what you do? How do you have electricity? Show me, show me where that's yeah, coming yeah. from. And he's like, Oh, it's up this hill. And I'm like, What? What are you talking about? Up this hill. Like they're, they're like the I don't see big power lines coming in here. So he took me to the top of this hill, over this ridge, past the school. I mean, there's school. I mean, saw the whole thing. And there's this massive solar farm set up. It's a hundred percent solar powered city, because on the map, Bokeas is a hundred. I mean, maybe not hundreds, but it is. It's in the middle of the desert. I mean, it is literally fed one hundred percent. But the folks like me and you that go over there yeah, yeah. and pay five bucks for the boat ride, pay a couple of bucks for, for lunch, and then come back over. Like, it, it, it survives 100%. And, and, like, everybody makes little things, and the kids are trying to sell yeah. you, like, all the trinkets and things. Yeah. It's like, what is this? It's so it's crazy. Because they were, they were telling me that um, after 9-11 happened, when they shut down the border... It really hurt that town. It yeah. really like it shut it yeah. decimated the town. Well, and they had to build that uh that became a entry point, I believe, for uh what's the word? Uh asylum. Okay. That, that's an uh, that's an asylum entry point, but it's too hard to get to, so no one uses it. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, they really back in the day before nine eleven, I believe, there was no passport station, no nothing. Yeah. You could just walk over pay the guy your five bucks and go across the border right there. yeah yeah I, I i worry about them right now like i wonder how they're doing with all this mess because I'm, I'm assuming it's locked down again i don't know um i'm interested to see what it's like this year i'm going this year whether it's happening or not i'm trying to get doug burr to play that's kind of my goal that would be awesome i think it'd be a lot of fun um but it's man, I mark the time by going out to Big Ben for the Big Bender. At this point, yeah, I I I am going to now because my like I said, I normally go to Colorado, um, in the middle of nowhere off the grid, and that's how I look forward to that date every year. Now I have two dates to look forward to. Yeah, you got two, yeah. And if you want to, uh, if you want to do the Big Ben, if want if you want to do the park. You, you're an Eagle Scout. I wasn't. I didn't make it to Eagle. I oh, I on. stopped at Star. A star, come on. I you know I was in Boy Scouts, got to Star, and then I oh, started man. a garage band with my buddies. Oh yeah, yeah. I, do it. I decided that was cooler, 
It is. I do regret. I do regret not making it all the way to Eagle. I think the only reason I got it was, and I'm a dork. I think I have my like Eagle. <laughs> no, that is <laughs> like super dorky. It is very dorky, but it's awesome too. <laughs> I think the only reason I got it is because I got it real quick before I was interested in girls or got into a band. If I was in a band, count me out, man. Uh, it's the only way to get it. I'm glad I got it though. I got some good, good jobs up like early on that I had no business getting because, because I had that. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. That's really great. So, I, I, I value my time in the scouts cause I, I don't like. Boy Scouts is cool, man. I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have my love for the outdoors without it. I mean, it was a way it, you know, forced me to, we, we did camp outs once a month and yeah. it was like figured out, Oh, this is how you build a fire. And this, you know, yeah. all the little things you feel that you learn that in today's world, probably most people think are like pretty trivial. It's like, why do you need to learn how to do that kind of stuff? But like, but it's like life skills. Like yeah. you need, like when all this falls apart, <laughs> yeah. Like you need to know how to build yeah. a fire. Yeah. I can build a fire. I can build a raft. I can tie all sorts of knots. <laughs> yeah. I can lash. Remember lashing? Yes. yes. <laughs> Remember lashing com- competitions. Yeah. I haven't said that more than 30 years probably. <laughs> Man, that's cool. So, when, so you 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 love the outdoors still? You're a camper. You still? Oh camp? yeah. I, I wish I could do it more, um, dude. You gotta come out, come out to Big Bend with me, man. Yeah, I would let's love to. do it because Alyssa won't do the Outer Mountain Loop. It's it's pretty insane. It's like thirty five miles. You do in like two days. <laughs> I'll have to train for that. But no, you can do it. You can do it. It's uh, man, uh, I did it solo this year. Oh yeah, video I mean, and, I remember saw the, vi- the the video that you did. Was yeah, great. no, it was so much fun. Uh, First time to do it, and the Outer Mountain Loop is one of those things that is built up like it's the hardest thing, like it crushes a man's soul. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, I can get worked up, like uh, trained for it. I was rucking every morning with like a sixty-pound pack, you know, running around uh, in the dark because I was too embarrassed to do it <laughs> daytime. Well, did you ever prepare for it? That's what I did, you know, seriously. I mean, I mean, it's always better to be overprepared. So. Yeah. But I got out there, and then I was, man, I, I think I allowed way too, I should have done it slower. I got nervous, and I was like, oh, I got to get this. And just, I did I did the first day up to the ridge, and then out of Juniper Canyon, just crushed it. And I think I put, like, 18 miles in one day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, fully loaded. And then, uh, yeah. And then it was like, yeah. You did it over the course of two days? Two days, the whole. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you should do that. I'm I'm a bit out out of, uh, out of shape, but. To put a pack on, just go, just get a pack. Cause I did the, I did the long trail or sorry, the lone trail, lone star trail. What's that? Um, that's, I want to say it may be the longest hiking trail in the state of Texas. Um, it goes through um, Huntsville, like the Huntsville, um, that forest that, that's down there. Same Houston National. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Crockett. Um, Depends. I did it over the course of two weekends, separated several weeks out. Yeah. But we did, We would. I think it's about 100, 150 miles long, something some like that. Damn. Um, that was really fun. Backpacking? Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 
it's not it's it's a pretty easy hike because it's texas it's flat. super flat right there but yeah. the, it was cool like you go through like these like vast piney forest and then these swamp areas mm-hmm. it's cool to see all the different terrain piney woods um, man. i've done and then the long trail i did a portion of the long trail which is like the northern tip of at the appalachian trail um but i that just destroyed me I, I i met up with a friend who had been hiking it for i think several weeks and i just jumped on and tried to like maintain <laughs> yeah. and blew both my knees out Ooh. um he was, was all like stringy and horse-like yes yes <laughs> yes what's wrong with you and Bobby? i was just like i'm just gonna i'll go hike with you for a couple of days and then i'll go back to the city and i remember like getting back to brooklyn and like walking down the subway stairs ouch and, like, ouch like, couldn't ouch yeah move. yeah been there done that oh man yeah, man, that's been the one hard thing about the shutdown. And, well, it's not just the shutdown. Like, having the kid kind of put a lockdown on me for the time being. Oh, yeah, of course. But, man, I sit there and I sit on YouTube and I just, like, there's so many amazing videos about amazing people doing amazing things. And I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to get back into the woods. And have you heard about... The Narrows. I just yes. read about oh, the yeah. Narrows recently. You're talking about the, what is that, the uh, Escalante uh, staircase area, right? The Narrows. Or am I thinking about the Deathly Hollow? I'm thinking about Deathly Hollow. There's that, there's that Harry Potter. What am I talking about? <laughs> Deathly Hollow is Harry Potter, I believe. I think it's also a place, like be, a real life place. So the Narrows, that What's I, the narrows? apparently there's a Narrows, the Narrows that's in, that's part of, uh, Zion, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's that what apparently about. the yeah. one, the one that I read about is in the Hill Country, and it's just like like Texas Hill yeah, Country, yeah. Hmm. It's like okay. this oasis water hole that you can only get to by either floating if the water's high enough down the river, the um, okay, the Blanco River, or if it's if it's too low, you'll have to hike the riverbed. And you have gonna look this up. The the um, the properties all along either side of the riverbed are owned by these. Very, how do I nicely say this? The, the, it's owned by people who don't want you on their land. Um, so, but but I guess Texas law is as you, long as you stay in the riverbed, you can be in the you, water. You are allowed to be there. Um, Huh. And you you will like it's a long hike. It's like from the place that you park where your car might get towed. Yeah. It's about a twelve mile hike um through a riverbed and mm. you're gonna get hassled by property owners, you're gonna get hassled by police. <laughs> but, but if you can get there, it is like this cool. beautiful oh, oh the pictures are spectacular. Oh wow. I've and heard I heard about I, that. I, I wanna do it. But at the same time, it seems like a lot of work. <laughs> Man, I know uh, King Curran. Do you know King Curran? Yeah, yeah. The guy's amazing. So he has an awesome history of like Utah hiking Zion. I mean, he's he's done a ton. He's a rock climber back oh, in, cool. way back in the day. But he, <laughs> me and him have hiked on private property where they told us we were going to get shot at before. So he would be perfect for this. <laughs> It'd be amazing. That would be awesome. Let's uh, let let's let's go on a hike with. Let's get Ken and let's go on a. It's hike. an expedition. Yeah, yeah you gotta check it out. You gotta yeah. make sure it's there. You know. So, have you been to uh, Rhymer's Fish Ranch? Have you heard of that? No, no. 
That's pretty cool. Uh, I think they're trying to turn it into some sort of like privately owned state park because it's a ranch. I think it was a goat ranch. But it was where these limestone walls meet some... I don't even remember what river it is, but it was like limestone, excellent rock climbing, like all around there. You used to pay like five bucks a car to get in and I mean, it was all hippies. And, but now it's like, I saw some pictures online, some kids running around and it's a legit, like cleaned up regulated place. It's near uh Hamilton pool road down okay. there. It's in that like B cave past B cave. Area okay. Yeah. Down yeah. There. Yeah, Texas has a lot to explore. Uh, and that's the best part about it is it's not on the radar. Like, if you're on Instagram, no one's, like, <laughs> checking out Texas. You know? <laughs> like, even if you follow Big Ben, it's weird. There's just not good pictures of Big Ben. It's not, like, it's not Yosemite. Yosemite is impressive Yeah, in picture form. It's hard. Yeah, Big Ben is impressive. But I think I'm... I, this is actually something that that my girlfriend Sarah and I we've talked about at length because she's she is very good at Instagram, um, and I am not. I am just terrible. I one forget <laughs> always forget to take pictures, and two when I do take pictures they're not great. Um, I would say Big Ben is it's not very photogenic. You it's more for it. me it's, it's more not the, impressive. It's in a the photo. experience yeah. like. You gotta I don't want to take a picture of it. I just want to lay out on this rock and look at the immense amount of stars that are yeah. shining down on me. And I don't know. It's it's great. So it's like walking on the the surface of the moon or something. Yeah, and man, it's just so amazing. The so the last time was it the last time I was there? No, second to last time I was there was with Alyssa, and we got some campsite that was on a like four wheel drive road. So we kind of explored that this last time we were there. Most of the really cool campsites are only four-wheel drive accessible. That's the whole key to big... Well, that and figuring out zone camping. Because they don't really tell you about zone camping. Because it's basically like being this giant zone and you're good. It's incredible. Uh, So just find a place to camp. Find a place. Yeah, just be... And you can go... What they don't tell you... Because if they do tell you, people will go actually do it. You can go anywhere. You don't have to stay on a train. There's no, if you want to go over there, you, you just go. It's just desert. Like That's what, awesome. Yeah. And it's like, where do you want to camp? Well, pick a spot that works. But the, the reason they don't tell you that, and they don't really, it's not on the, you can't figure it out on the internet unless you're on the message boards. Like you will die out there. <laughs> like, like. The, it'll take days to get your body. It's so isolated. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. They don't advertise that, but but that's part of the OML, the Outer Mountain Loop that you figure out is like when you get down in the desert, it's just like, yeah, just camp like wherever you see a spot, like just stop and then you're good and you're, doesn't matter, you're in the middle of nowhere. There's no campsites. Yeah. It's when awesome. you were doing that, did you run into anybody else or were, were you by I saw, yourself? Yeah, the, over so it was like one day up to the southwest uh sw4 and then one day in the desert and then third day out i saw maybe eight people wow yeah it was about 35 miles uh man it is it's desolate i mean you're just out there 
And it's crazy. And you just don't. The, I mean, there's no water is what the deal. That's what makes it hard is you're yeah. carrying a lot of water or people stage water. I didn't have time to do that. So I had all the water on my back. I gambled a little bit. I thought that the, like it, there was some rain in, in the weather. And I was like, well, I, th I think there's going to be water out in the desert. Barely found it, ran out of water in the desert and then had to find it. Um, Man. So that was sketchy. Uh, so like a backpack filter or something or. Yeah, I had a little Sawyer. You, you, it's a little squeeze thing. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. The technology. So, and this is what's crazy about backpacking now, as opposed to like when we were in Scouts. Like the technology is amazing. Oh yeah. I mean, like I, I think I had like a thirty-pound pack on. Had more than enough of everything. It's like what? Back in the day, that would have been like sixty-five pounds. <laughs> yeah. At like. Uh, like outer frame Kelty pack, like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, man, yeah, it's it backpacking so easy, it's so easy now. So, and man, that's the place to do it, man. I'm telling you, you want to go, we can go, we can go pack some bags out there. That'd be, be awesome. I've got a, I've got a really cool route that I want to go do, like deep into the desert that's going to take, um, a little bit of planning, but there's a couple of things out there, like in the middle of the desert between the Chizos and the Rio Grande. There's a couple of really cool formations that, man, would be really cool to get up on uh, that I think people have. But all you got to do is walk out to them and know how you're going to get there. Awesome. Yeah. Not accessible by any other way. But one of them is called Cow Heaven. It's like this weird little plateau thing in the middle of the desert. It's amazing. So, yeah, how did you find these places? On the map, just looking at the okay. map. Yeah. So I took uh, Nick Bagapore down there, and we did the Window Trail, which is a real classic, like Chizos Mountain Trail. Uh, that so the Chizos is like a cup, an elevated cup in the middle of the desert. Okay. You've got this rim of mountains around it. And it, but it's elevated, like it was pushed up, so it's a ba it was a basin. So at some point, all this water had to drain out of the basin, and it drained through a couple of like holes in the side of the cup. And outside that hole, it's like maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred feet down to the floor of the rest of the the desert. So the window trail, what it does, it follows this creek bed to one of the holes in the the cup wall so you get to the edge of this thing and it's a this creek bed that's been just carved out by millions of years of water go i don't know about millions but yeah probably millions of years of water going through it and it's just desert floor as far as you can see outside of this little bitty window carved out of this thing it is insane. So we went down there and on the way saw a bear, a black bear just hanging out on the trail. Oh, shit. Yep. It, it was crazy. So I didn't know black bears were down this far south. Got a big black bear. Not big. Uh, Medium-sized black bears. <laughs> I mean, they're yay. But. Second time I've seen bears there, but bears are, that's a crazy thing to see in Texas. Yeah. A black bear. Yeah. And Nick Bagapur saw the bear. And this is what's crazy. I've been looking for a javelina forever. 
but several trips down there, never seen a javelina. Sure enough, we're pulling into the parking lot on the way to, well, on the way to Panther Junction. Okay. Uh, which is kind of the first stop before you go into the Cheezos. And sure enough, a little pack of javelinas running. I'm like, daggum, there's some javelinas. Huh. I'm like, man, you won freaking Big Ben <laughs> Bingo. Javelinas, black bears, the window. like, dumb. Yeah, that's awesome. Highly recommend it. So what's your next trip? Uh, Colorado in a couple weeks. Where do you go for that? So uh, I go up to... Um, do you know where Platoro is? No, I don't. Um, so it's just outside of Alamosa, um, up the mountain from Alamosa. Um, I thought Alamosa was New Mexico. No, there may be an Alamosa, New Mexico, but Alamosa, it's we're not that far like where we camp, it's southern Colorado, yeah. so it's not too far from New Mexico, like San Juan Mountains, or yeah, we're in the San Juan Mountains, okay, yeah. um, off the Caneos River, um. Caneos Peak. We camp right below Caneos Peak. Mm. Um, it's beautiful. When are you going there? We're going the second week of August. Oh man! It's usually that's usually about about when we go. And um, it's I'm fortunate, feel very fortunate enough to to have been allowed to go because um, this was this is a place that some friends of mine have been going for years, um, and luckily they welcomed me in and it is it is one of my favorite places in, on the face of this planet it sounds amazing how long have you been going there uh this will be my fifth or sixth year i think um to go and we just go up there and it's very much car camping but yeah, yeah. it's still very remote yeah, um, that's awesome if you you know there's if you want to drive 30 45 minutes you can go down down the mountain to Platoro. um it's actually uh uh, I, I can't remember the relation, but the there's a the, a family of people they live or they they own this lodge down there. They're related to Sarah Jaffe in some some way. I think it's like her aunt that's and uncle or something. Random, yeah. Because we went there, we like that's normally where we go to. Like we'll go if we're if we're bored if it's raining, we'll go down. And we'll get some burgers or we'll get our fishing licenses there. And we, you know, you show your license. They're like, oh, you're from Denton. I know someone from Denton, Texas. And we're like, what? Who? Like small world, yeah. small world. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a it's an amazing place. Um, that whole area of Colorado. I feel like when people think of Colorado, that's not what they think of. It's still very like, um, it's like the in between of like Colorado mountains and the New Mexican desert. It's like a little mesh of both. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Like, it's not the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. So it's not Essis Park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, San Juan Mountains, uh, I did an elk hunt uh, in the San Juan Mountains. And it's it's mountains, but it's not like Colorado Springs. Yeah, yeah. You know? But, man, that's cool. Uh, so, so you park, camp, and then it's like day hikes and fishing. Yeah. It's just kind of whatever you want to do. Doing the same. Wake, wake up and and fish or just hang out. Do you fly fish? I don't fly fish. Fly fisher. I've never learned how. So but we do, do we do a lot of fishing. Uh, trout. Yeah. Uh, we catch a lot of trout. Um, like with the the doe? Or we use, you... Typically, we'll, we'll use the, uh, it's like power bait. Or yeah, yeah. like the, bait, the yeah. salmon little, eggs. Little doe balls, yeah. Um, so we'll do like a little... Little wait a waiter with a with a floaty hook. Yeah, and it floats up. Yeah, um, and 
Do you eat them? That's good eating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's delicious. Yeah, well, when when I first started going with, with those guys, that was it was basically like, oh, don't pack anything. We just catch our food. What? We might have like a pack of of hot dogs for just a backup. Case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, like, we're older and want to work less hard. And yeah. <laughs> um, there's, we also have, have, yeah. have wives and girlfriends yeah. and that. <laughs> That you know, when it comes time, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I'm hungry, I want to eat. So yeah. um, I don't want to have a burger on the fire, man. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Um, not a competition, man. but yeah, it's it's a it's just a great it's a great getaway. You can't be reached. Like there's no cell service. That yeah. to me, it's you're like you're up on the mountain, big open sky, no cell service. It's just a perfect escape from the day to day life and it's great in the time of a pandemic it's still like a socially distanced safe vacation like you know if, if my annual vacation was a cruise i wouldn't be able to do it um yeah dude a cruise is such a bad idea <laughs> yeah. right now hey let's just go party on a petri dish i can't think of a worse weeks. idea i can't think of a worse idea than a cruise so did did the thought ever occur to you okay when society falls apart, all this breaks down. All we got to do is pack the car and go live in the woods. And constantly. We'll be okay. I fantasize that about that on a daily basis. We've <laughs> talked about it. Like, we've, like, laid it out. Like, all right. Like, when, when you know, people start using sticks and rocks on each other because you can't have a, a honest discussion with anyone anymore yeah when society really falls apart you know what we're doing we're packing the car we're going to the middle of nowhere down down by the valley and uh, we're just gonna camp out yeah camp out for a couple of years wait for everyone to settle down and wait for society to rebuild yeah. holy what a mess Hopefully, and, hopefully we don't get to that point. But part of me is like, that sounds like a vacation to me. Like, I would love, like, oh, let's go do that now. Yeah. It'd be, it's, what are we well, that's, for? It's a vacation because you know that there's probably an outlet on the end of it. When you're like, when the first winter hits, then you're like, how many more of these winters do we have to survive? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that yeah. stops becoming a oh, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people died, like, during that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be fun for a while. But... Yeah, I mean, we've had those conversations. Um, but actually, that conversation happened before the pandemic. It was like, what if something happens in Denton and we just yeah, can't? Yeah. What if we just can't work here anymore? Like, what are we going to do? We're definitely going to go somewhere where we where we have access to just desolate wilderness, wherever that is. Yeah, you know, Denton's tough. There really is. LBJ grasslands, kind of boring, bunch of grass. You know, that's it. That's yeah. our that's our national park. So, um, yeah, man, I can't. Man, I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank man. you. I'm excited. So, man, it's been a good conversation. I do want to yes, ask you this. Yeah, uh, we've talked. We we kind of poo pooed on the pandemic quite a bit. And there's always this talk of the silver lining. What's the good? Is there anything good that has come out of this whole mess that you're like, you know what? 
this made me rethink something and you know what? I'm better for it because I like to approach most of life that way. When the pandemic hit, I was like, good, let's figure this out. Yeah. Let's figure out how to freaking conquer this little crap ass virus, you know? Yeah. Is there any sort of like good moment for you? There's been a lot. Um, I think probably the biggest one is the, the emphasis, the, and the love that has come out of the Denton community. I knew I've always known it was there, but like, especially in recent days with the video that I posted, the outpouring of support that came from the Denton community was phenomenal. Um, and there's been so many, I don't know if you are, if you're part of some of these Facebook groups that have popped up since COVID, the first wave of COVID hit, the Rona toxicated, um, the shotgun Friday groups, like these, these groups of just people just trying to make the best of it. And there's alcohol involved. So I, of course I'm included. <laughs> um, so yes, it's people drinking, but it's people drinking and trying to like have some like bit of re like pre COVID life. It's like, Hey, yeah. we normally go out to the bars together, but we can't do that. So like, let's post videos of us drinking beer together or like, or like not together. Or like I'm drinking in my house. What are y'all drinking? Like people shotgunning beers, people like uh, dropping off beer on their porch, on each other's porches. Um, you know, yeah, people are really helpful or people have a, people really have a heart when they see their neighbor in, in need people show up. Yeah. And especially in Denton. You know, oh, yeah. I, th I think, I think that's kind of your point there. You know, people really rise to the occasion here. So. For sure. Is there anything else? Because I'd agree with you. I mean, the, 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 the giant heart that I know of Denton is definitely on display most of the time. The one thing that, um, that I tell people is get off get off facebook yeah yeah because every thread that has ever existed can break down to somebody's calling someone literal hitler yep so that's a that's a mess that's not real it's the and the way i'm kind of thinking about it now is this facebook is it's information fed to you like a Twinkie, you know? Yeah. Like it's the, it's the metaphorical Twinkie of uh, media, yeah, you know? It's junk food news. It's complete junk food. It'll kill you if you don't stop eating them. You got to get into the real world and, and communicate with people the way we were meant to com communicate face to face yeah. in person. And, that will sustain you and and give you life and energy and the social media will suck life and energy from you. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think again, a conversation for another time, but the social media, it does a lot of good, but it does a lot of really bad things. And I feel like it does way more we, bad. Than, I think it's, it's like, training us to be like uncivil 
Well, it's just, it's really easy to just sit there and just type out all of your opinions and your frustrations and not, and you can get all that out. And then before you get any feedback and I, I said this in the video that I posted. Um, and I, I think that I truly believe that this is something that we can all try to practice more is talk less and listen more. Cause I think that if we could just all take it rather than just word vomiting our opinions, especially in an argue, like an argument or a debate over a topic, just shut up for a few minutes and just listen, actually listen to the, what the other person has to say and put yourself in their shoes and think about where they're coming from. And I think that will make the world a better place. Just yeah. figuring out, just go back to empathy. Go back like yeah. that. You're talking about empathy right there. Like you can't have empathy when you're being a keyboard cowboy. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. It's a one-sided conversation. One you're just side. like, I'm, and I feel like a lot of these keyboard cowboys are just, they're just wanting to stir up. Yeah. Stuff. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, and that's what I like about this podcast is, uh, my whole thing is like, Hey, let's go hang out and talk. And, what, what what's the best way to to send the message of get in front of people and have a conversation about whatever we can we can talk yeah. about whatever here get in front of people you know don't sit there and post and so we <laughs> oh man I accidentally started a, a Facebook group called the Downtowners and apparently it's pretty big right now yeah it's pretty big I've heard about it it's pretty big got I'm, I'm a member. Yeah, uh, I, I eat a lot of popcorn while I'm oh watching the goodness the mess that has gone. Down I have learned that. so much from watching that just devolve into the worst thing that humanity could ever produce. But also, like you said, there's some things I'm like, man, that is amazing that we get to have a platform to do that much good on something and get the word out about like this cool thing that's happening. But you'd be surprised at the, <laughs> the stuff that gets deleted instantly. The stuff we have to look at to oh. delete is amazing. It'll, it'll blow your mind that, I, a, that an adult <clears throat> can like sit there and think this is a good thing to post, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, like they're, Daily. they're by themselves in a room and there's no one there to say, Maybe, maybe, maybe don't, not. Maybe, maybe don't do that. What do you think you're doing? Like, that's my question with it. Like, I and, and we don't really interact with people we delete and block. We're like, yeah. our whole thing is like, if you can't figure out why you got deleted off the group, then you don't belong in the group. <laughs> we don't need an explanation yeah. here. Like, you were trying to stir the shit pot and you got super racist. You're gone. Yeah. You know, if you need to like whine about it, go. Go do that on the rest of the internet. Not here. Yeah. I mean, it it, it, it just blows my mind. I, I, I post and then I'm gone. I'm just, I just can't, I can't engage I, right now. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've been posting some more political stuff because politics are directly affecting me now. And the amount of, of negative feedback that I've got from it is, is astounding. Um, really? Shut like, the front door. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, right? Like someone else has other opinions for, for me. 
um, which the, I'm glad that people do. That's what makes the world go round. But when like I'm posting about, hey, your business, uh, my business is really struggling, and I'm having to furlough my family, my yeah. my employees. I'm having to furlough, and then I get some negative Nancy who posts on my page who's like, I don't understand why you're whining, uh, liberal snowflake. Uh, you know, it's just like the England. hot, uh, and just like oh, and and you know, what about the protest? Hillary's emails, and I'm like, oh my, what gosh. does that have to do with anything? Delete like, that person. Like you were just you were just coming at me for a fight. Yeah, this people, is my job, bro. It's my job, and yeah. and I just like a lot of people just lost their job, and your first thing is like, but what about her emails? Like what? Like I like again. Talk less, listen more. Just yeah. shut up and listen to other people for a bit. Bobby, you gotta get off his Facebook, man. <laughs> Don't read the comments, man. Just post and yeah. leave. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's the only way to be. It, I mean, I, really, I truly think because I mean, nothing's gonna, nothing good is nothing gonna come comes out of it. Yeah, and you're not gonna convince these people, yeah. and most of them probably don't have any, um, any skin in the game for what they're arguing. They just are arguing for the the sake of. Stirring up shit. But imagine right. how broken and weak and hobbled your ego must be to come out and attack a guy who's putting his heart out there in a video. You know, like how how broken must your soul be to, to, to do that? Yeah. Right. And you can't respond to it. Like, there's no response to that. It's like, okay, cool. Have fun uh, playing video games in your parents' basement the rest of your <laughs> life, you freaking losers. Sheesh. Man. Well, I, you know, I think we solved a lot of the problems. Yeah, today, yeah. The, the world is cured. <laughs> we did it. We did it. I think, you, you know, just, uh, you know, talk less, listen more. Go yeah. go out to the desert and... Uh, yeah, stare into the sky and it's okay, man. It's all, all good. All will be right with it's the world. Good, man. Okay, so the big event. Is Saturday, yes. 8 p.m. Raise yes. right men. Raise right men. Um, Boca, Boca is going to be serving. Swine Garden might be doing some stuff. Dave, Dave was texting me earlier. Dave's awesome. I love that guy. He says he's going to pivot the trailer around like we did before. Um, he's going to have Cubanos, tacos, and loaded corn dogs. Oh man, his loaded corn dogs are awesome. And. Uh, Dang, that's Boca's going to be working on a special menu as well, so there'll be plenty of delicious Dude, food. you got to push that out on the Facebook. Yeah. But I'm telling you, just post. Yeah, just post and, and walk leave. Away. Hey, actually, you know what? Do this. Post it on Downtowners, post the event, and we'll okay. put it as an announcement. All right. And, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, man, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the beer. This is yeah, like the most you. beer I've had in like since March. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Like, this is great. It's nice to just like. Yeah, have it's weird that I have to have an excuse to just have a conversation. Just have a conversation, yeah. Because normally it's just like I wake up, it's work, go home, sleep, like (laughs) not around these parts, man. Thanks for coming on, man. It's great. Anytime, this is wonderful. There you have it, folks. Me and Bobby Mullins getting kind of weird there at the end, but you know that's what happens. Late night podcasting over some delicious delicious beer thanks for listening we'll see you next week